0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we've got something a little different for y'all. Jared Falawil from Kings of Leon joins us to talk some OU football and the new music KOL just released as they announce their new album coming in March. It's a really interesting interview, and we think you guys will really enjoy it. All the football talk comes before our interview with Jared. We bring you the latest in OU football news, including Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins declaring for the NFL. In the National College Football Roundup, we give you our final thoughts on Alabama-Ohio State, and we bring you the latest news in college football. We also talk some NFL by giving you our winners and losers of Super Wild Card Weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? I man Michael Hostey will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, January 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. First Fidelity Bank donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night, and we got something that is a little different than what we normally do. Uh, now, we still have all the local college football stuff, and we even have a lot of fun NFL stuff. But we've also got an interview with Kings of Leon's Jared Folliwell, and this is a first for us, Teddy.
1: We're going Rolling Stone is what we're doing. That's, right? pretty,
0: much it, it, that's pretty much what we did. It, it's probably the best music interview anyone's ever done.
1: Well, for a sports podcast, there's no doubt about that. I I actually thought it went great. So did I. I thought
0: it, I, I mean, I thought it went well. I know it went well <laughs> or it went better than how things are going for the Pittsburgh
1: Steelers right now. Mm. Oh my. god. So I, we, I'm telling you, my jaw hit the floor on the first play. I just, uh, all I could do is stare at the TV. Like what in the world? I've,
0: I felt for Palsy because anyone that's played center has had a bad snap. And man, for the game to start like that. And full disclosure, we were thinking about, okay, maybe we'll let the game, you know, play out a little bit before we start recording tonight. It's 28 to nothing, Cleveland, 28 to nothing. So we're like, you know what? We're, we're going to go ahead. Uh, We're going to start doing this thing. (laughs) So man, uh, just bizarre. All right, let's get right to local college football let's start with OU news Ramondre Stevenson declared for the NFL draft he accepted an invite to the senior bowl which was good to see but Ted we saw this coming this is what we had been hearing and you thought maybe because he didn't get to play that many games this season that he would be able or that he might think about coming back and you know putting another full season of tape together but it's the running back position. Uh, You really can't say anything to the kid.
1: No, it's such a difficult position to, to gauge where you're going to be drafted. Uh, It's just tough. You know, some years, I mean, it wasn't very long ago. There used to be three or four first round running backs taken. And now it's lucky if there's one, there's got to be an extraordinary talent to be one. So I don't know where he's going to get drafted. Um, I do think he's got the tools to play at the next level, but I mean, you know, as well as I do, the further down you get drafted at times, it can be more difficult to, to get opportunities. Other times it can become a blessing. So it's all going to be about fit and where he ends up going, but definitely has the tools. You know, I think that he's shown that he's not just a one trick pony. He's not just a, between, between the tackles running back at 245 pounds, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, He's got some good versatility, so I think the future's bright for Ramondre.
0: He's one of those types of guys that I could see him being a better pro than he was a college player because I do think, and and, and you and I both played with some guys like this, but once the money's on the line, right, once you get into the league or you're training for the combine, for the senior bowl, that type of thing, like some guys start taking it more seriously. And by that I I could see Ramondre Stevenson starting to take his diet more seriously, starting to take the weight room and the strength and conditioning component of things more seriously, because I mean, anyone that watches him, he he's an extremely effective back, but he is not the best built guy, right? I, I think he has room for improvement when it comes to, you know, what he's doing physically And that's why I think that maybe we see him lean out a little bit and get a little leaner and, while doing that, still get stronger and faster in the process. So I I could see him becoming a better pro. He's never going to be a guy that runs 4-4 or anything like that. I I think he's probably a low to mid 4-6 guy right now. That's plenty fast. But I could see him becoming a little more explosive by – you know taking a little better care of his body or just investing more time in it because college it's hard to do that you're balancing all those things you've got class you you're trying to have a social life you've got tutors you got all that stuff right when you're a pro player or when you're getting ready to be an NFL guy like it's all you do you work out you eat you sleep you repeat like that that's all you do i could see him kind of changing his body and maybe becoming even more dynamic of a back ted
1: no i, I- I think that's a good point, and I think you're you're dead on. And it depends what kind of guy he is. He seems like he'd be that kind of guy, and it's all about the situation, man. What what situation you get drafted in, and make the best of it. Who knows? a Guy gets hurt in front of you, or you never know. So um, I'll say this: I you think I may be, but I'm really not worried about the running back room at all. You know, even though we missed out on what a lot of people were, were hoping is going to be a five star kid coming in, I think personally that Seth McGowan going to make a huge jump between right now and his sophomore year. I thought uh, Marcus Major showed us some really good stuff that, that he's still a young back with a ton of potential. And Kennedy Brooks coming back, we'll see what happens. I mean, whenever he left, he was a, a completely. A really productive running back, so maybe he gets right back into that form. So I don't know. I still feel like the running back room is going to be just fine.
0: Yeah, and you have to imagine that Lincoln Riley and the staff they're they're going to have their eyes on that transfer portal, right? Uh, Just a few days ago, I saw that you know a guy that's been pretty productive for Tennessee, right? He's in the transfer portal. I think his name's like Ty Chandler or something like that, running back. You know, really well-built kid. So. There's going to be some of those guys out there that are going to contact Oklahoma and say, hey, I want to come play there. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay, so another guy, Ronnie Perkins, declares for the NFL draft. And Ted, once we heard that he was getting, you know, kind of a firm, solid second round grade from a lot of people, uh, the writing was kind of on the wall right and this was pretty much inevitable now it, it is unfortunate because i thought he could have been an absolute monster if he would have come out or come back for one more year but when you're going to go that high when that's the projection there there's a lot of money on the line man and i i think he's making
1: the right decision yeah time will tell um, yeah that's a good point you're right you know i we'll, we'll see where he gets drafted and We'll see what he can do at the next level. We've talked a lot about it on here. We don't have to continue. That, the tweener. He's a he's a tweener, and it'll be interesting to see where he plays. You know, I I talked with the with someone that made an interesting uh, comparison. Now, obviously, it's not a, a a comparison as as far as how good this guy is, but it's kind of like a a body type. Like it wouldn't be totally shocking. If Ronnie Perkins developed into like an interior, like uh, an interior defensive lineman type at some point, just because of his compact nature. But I don't know. The guys that are going to be coming in, uh, the young guy is Reggie Grimes. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Redmond if he comes yeah, back. Yeah, Jalen Redmond be, back, right? Is he going to be an edge guy? Is he going to be an interior guy? My gut tells me he's going to be more of an interior guy, but. Um, I don't know. I think we're really athletic and we've got way more depth at that spot than we have in the past. There's, you know, there's, there's big guys like Joseph Huete, who's like six, four, six, five, really long arms, 265 pounds will probably be 275 by next season. And he's a defensive end edge guy. Uh, So we're just way more uh, loaded, versatile, with guys that can be inside and outside at that position than we've been in the past.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, another kid, and this—it's not just because he went to McGinnis. Uh, let's go Irish! But Brennan Walker is a guy that you—you've seen just this year get bigger, and yeah. he seems like a guy that's going to be able to play on the edge or put his hand down and do some of the things that Perkins did. So, it obviously we're hoping that. Ronnie Perkins has a great pre-draft process. I assume he'll end up at the Senior Bowl. I assume he will have – it. the combine seems like it's going to be important for him because of – we've talked about the measurables, right? I, I'm not sure. Like, he plays fast. I, I just don't know how he's going to test, how he's going to time. It's, it's going to be really interesting. But there's no doubt that with him moving on to the NFL that – Ou's gonna need some guys to develop into difference makers this off season. and because he w- he was the emotional leader of that defense, and that that hard that part is hard to replace. But he also was pretty productive. So I don't know, man. I, it feels like a really big loss because you know in just a span of a couple of days, it feels like you lost your best player on offense and your best player on defense. Ted, I, I know some OU fans. They they're a little worried that they, they thought that maybe this would be kind of like how it was at Clemson a couple years back remember where everybody came back and just didn't work out that way
1: no it didn't but you know it's one of the the benefits of the way that we've recruited recently um, you know we, we've stacked together some really consistent classes so there's some good depth and talent there um, would Ronnie Perkins have helped our defense next year absolutely but I still think, that next year's defense will be better than this year's defense, even without Ronnie Perkins. Um, would the running game have benefited from having Ramondre Stevenson and Creed Humphrey back? I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, but I I would guess that next year we will run the ball for a se- entire season better than we ran the ball this year. So I still think those things are true. So um, who knows what we could accomplish with those guys, but, this is college football, man. On we go. We got to move forward.
0: Yeah, a uh, c- couple other things uh, for OU. Okay, so there was an article put out by Horns twenty four seven that uh, a lot of people that follow uh, that type of stuff have been talking about, and it, it was funny. And I I know those guys over there. They they do a really good job, but they mentioned you know they were talking about Texas's staff, Sarkeesian assembling his staff, and there was an article that said that Dennis Simmons could be the next wide receiver coach at Texas. Like he, that he was a target or, uh, and <laughs> it was just, it was pretty funny to me because it, it set people kind of off in a frenzy. And I was like, everyone you know, just calm down. And the, the connection is that Dem- Dennis Simmons played at BYU with Sarkeesian. So that, that was the connection, nothing more than that. And Teddy, I know it's not that surprising, but some people did not take this very well. But I, I feel pretty good about Dennis Simmons staying at Oklahoma because he is loyal to Lincoln Riley. I mean, he is loyal to Riley. fun fact. Lincoln Riley was in his wedding, so it's like these guys are close, close. So I, I get that. You know, some people are trying to figure out what's going to happen there at Texas, but I don't think Dennis Simmons is going to be one of the guys that are going to Austin. I I just don't
1: see that happening. Let's assume just for uh, this exercise that Dennis Simmons hates Lincoln Riley. Okay. Okay. We can do that. So even if there was some severe dislike between the two, which there's not a burden, the hand is worth two in the bush. Gabe, you've heard that before. Why in the world would you give up um, security? Uh, you've been here, what, how long has he been here now? Six, seven years to uproot and go to a place that is, how many coaches has have they been through in recent years? I mean, it's, it's just, There's. it's absurd for a lateral move. Now, if you want to tell me that, Offensive coordinator position, or you know, wants to uh, uh, bring him in to eventually call plays. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Okay, that's an upgrade, but no way in hell would a coach leave a totally secure situation with a guy that he's coached with now for a long time at multiple stops. You would bail on that for your rival. And, uh, uh, who knows a guy I played with a year or two in college on opposite sides of the ball. I no, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. It, it doesn't make much sense when you think about it now. And I don't know if Simmons has, you know, a desire to be an offensive coordinator, to be a play caller. I, maybe he just likes being the wide receivers coach, but I know one thing he, him and Lincoln Riley are tight. I mean, really, really tight. So. Yeah, I got a good chuckle out of that one. I It, it wasn't like I, I understand what they were trying to do with the article, but people's reaction to it was what made me laugh so much. It was hey, just like,
1: look out for uh, Nick Saban as defensive coordinator. Nick Saban and Sarkeesian just coached together at Alabama. So, you know, there huge, is that connection if true. between the two. Huge,
0: if true. Uh, one last thing a lot of talk about uh, Tennessee's tackle, Wanya Morris, who Announced he'll enter the portal. Now, he is not in, I I believe as of Saturday, as last time I checked with some people, he is not officially in the transfer portal yet. So OU can't technically contact him yet. But Bill Bedenboe is aware that this young man is planning on entering the transfer portal. And once he enters the portal officially, I would expect Oklahoma to go after Wanya Morris rather hard, because this is a guy that started, you know, several games at tackle in the SEC. is an extremely talented guy There was a, you know, five star guy coming out. and Remember, OU recruited him very hard out of high school, but I, I think that is uh, that that was something that was kind of floating around. I think there's some merit to some of those rumors, Ted.
1: Well, you'd know better than I if if that's a route that we need to go. If we need to find a tackle,
0: Well, you are losing uh, Ely, right? When you yeah. thought you may get him back, now he's he, he's declared going to the Senior Bowl. That whole thing. So you're down a starting tackle. You were playing Swenson at left tackle, right? And you know he got pulled in some games. You're hoping to upgrade at left tackle as well. So I I think going after if, a kid if you got a like Morris, to get better
1: players, you do it exactly.
0: That's I mean, that's, that's how I view all of these things. It's like, Hey, if you can get a guy that can create competition, get him.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, I feel like we're, we've got some good talent there on the offensive line ready to work their way in, but add more to the, to the phrase, never a bad thing for sure. Especially a guy that you don't have to I mean, I like freshmen coming in and everything and, and getting that good talent, but, whenever you don't have someone's already done the hard work of acclimating someone to college football you know you just bring them in and basically plug in teach the offense and all that they're they're already pretty much up to speed i'm down for that
0: yeah it seems like tennessee's having some issues uh, a lot of guys going to the portal also do you see what they're not a. Uh, They're not extending contracts for coaches. They aren't hiring for open coaching positions. A little investigation for recruiting violations. Teddy, for one, I'm shocked.
1: Shocked. 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 And I, you know, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but uh, uh, apparently it all stems from a kid that they were recruiting that ended up going to Georgia. (laughs) And a lot of people are saying that, well, I'll just tell you right now that, if Tennessee goes down because of this kid and the way he was recruited, then get ready for Georgia to go down because of this kid and the way he was recruited. So, uh, interesting to see what happens. Also,
0: it may be Tennessee's way of finding a way to fire Jeremy Pruitt with cause. Just saying. There's always
1: that conversation. It's like, okay, guys, I know we – you know where we are in this thing but here's what we theoretically could do if if you have a better target out there you better have someone you want to hire
0: lane kiffin <laughs> again <laughs> all right ted let's move on to call your shot and that's brought to you by rock and roll tequila rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes it's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish to find a store that has it visit rock and roll or check out their instagram twitter or facebook this stuff is good If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach
2: Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar shaped bottles make it easy to find and you'll love the ultra premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious? Start the party with rock and roll.
0: And we asked you... Who you would miss more? Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson and why? And our favorite comes from Brett Chilcote, at Brett Chilcote. I hope I'm saying that right. That seems right. Chilcote on Twitter. He says, Stevenson. Somehow they have managed to convince a bunch of dudes to come play on that D-line. A lot of potential to be nasty. Also currently haven't picked up an RB in this class. Room looks thin, and as we learned in 2017, you can never have enough running backs. Now, that's actually a good point that Brett makes, but it's kind of what we were saying earlier, right? right. I mean, losing either is not good, but it it seems like the talent in that defensive line room with Jamar Cain and Calvin Thibodeau, it seems like they feel really good about that, Ted.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think once you start playing at a high level, I feel like the level of play in the entire room gets lifted. Um, instead of guys, you know, just kind of hovering, never improving, there's really no room for that anymore. So I feel like everyone gets better. Uh, I think Grimes, uh, obviously, we talked about him. I think he can contribute. Don't forget uh, Marcus Hicks, who got injured in in training camp, should be back and healthy for, for spring ball and, and ready to roll. So we've got some good youth there. And, you know Isaiah Thomas, uh, Roberson, Ellison; those guys, they've just been productive. I feel like they're they've got a, a great rotation, and obviously Redmond coming in. But I honestly, I feel the same way about the running back room. I feel like there's three good guys there. Um, Marcus Major came on strong at the end. Um, Seth McGowan had. It's a rough year for a true freshman to really you know, show everything that you've got. Right. And right. um some of his development this year was cut a little bit short with Ramondre coming back, but in the grand scheme of things, obviously that was a, a, a benefit for the football team. I just think with a full spring, a full summer, he's gonna put some size on. He's already we've seen how extremely quick twitch he is, and maybe he'll he'll develop that patience and understand the flow of the offense a little bit better I I still think that Seth McGowan's going to be um, an unbelievable running back
0: yeah I I think that some of those things we heard about him in training camp he's you know he, he's a young player right I mean made mistakes uh, got him in the doghouse a little bit right we didn't see him get a lot of action in some games but I think that he's he's gonna look like a different dude next season I I, I believe that so yeah you don't you don't want to lose guys like Perkins or Stevenson, but it, it's how this thing works. You you got to reload, and, and we'll see what Oklahoma's staff. Also, I kind of forget that Isaiah Coe kid, the defensive tackle coming in from Juco. I know that it's different than what Perkins does, but you we just talk about the depth of that defensive line. If he can do something similar to what Winfrey did for them this year, I mean, that's going to lift everyone on that defensive line if they can get more play in the interior like that.
1: Yeah, you, you, I mean, I don't know what to expect from him right now, but it's another guy that once the level in that room, as I was talking about, has been lifted, you're going to know right away if he's going to be a contributor or not.
0: Yeah. Okay. One piece of news about Oklahoma State football, and that's Eamon Ambomba Mamiga has declared for the NFL draft, has been an extremely productive player at linebacker from them. I don't know if that I, were you surprised to see this Ted? I, I know that you and I both like Rodriguez more than, but on bog he's got really good traits when you look at being projected to the next level, he's, seems like a guy that's going to test really well also. So I, I wasn't shocked, but that would have been really helpful for that defense if he would have come back.
1: Yeah, he's got, He's got good length. He's got good long arms. Looks the part, man. Yeah, seems to run really well. I don't think he's very good at the point of attack. He's more of a chase down player uh, than he is, uh, you know, stone uh, offensive lineman, get off a block and make a tackle, uh, you know, uh, physical tackle. Um, We'll see. You test well, you get in the right right defense and people play at the right position. He's athletic enough. Where if he gets into the right fit, he could be a player at the next level. Just hard to know where to I wouldn't I wouldn't have him as a top three round pick. Yeah.
0: I, I suppose he would have to test really, really well at the combine because he does have some good things on tape, right? He's he's made a lot of plays for them, but we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with him when it comes to the draft. All right, let's move on in the national college football roundup. Preview of the college football playoff national championship game on our last episode with Cole Kublick. So, if you want to go back and listen to that preview, it is very in depth. It's great. Cole is spectacular at diagnosing both Alabama and Ohio State. But now we know the game is actually going to be played, Teddy. So, I figured we revisit it and kind of get some final thoughts heading to this national championship game Monday night. the two most talented teams in all of college football going at it. So, man, this one should be fun.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Um, two incredibly talented football teams, two great quarterbacks, um, two big-time programs. I think it's going to be a fantastic uniform battle out there. Both, both have really good traditional uniforms. Um, we get to see some, some really good running backs. Najee Harris, obviously – as good as they come and Trey sermon has really exploded onto the scene. The last couple of weeks here, uh, you know, great wide receivers from both teams, Olave, uh, obviously, um, Devontae Smith and and others. So there's tons of talent. Maybe out there. Waddle, maybe, maybe Waddle been practicing a little bit. So I think the, you know, the offenses, both offenses, are really getting all of the accolades right now and all of the chatter. That's what everyone's talking about. But in my opinion, who wins the football game is who plays better defensively. And maybe that's um, a dumb statement, and it's like, no kidding, of course, that's who's going to win the game. But um, just to dial it in a little bit better, I think whatever team can put more pressure on the other team's quarterback is going to win it. Um, if they can get Mac Jones off his spot and you know create some some different windows, some different um, things on the back end vision wise while they're putting some pressure on him, I think that'd be huge. And as we've seen, uh, Fields can really struggle whenever he's under duress, just like most quarterbacks. So I think that's the key on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, and there, there's still the question mark of who's available on the defensive line for Ohio State, and then uh, I feel like we've kind of forgotten it. Man, Fields, he's not going to be 100% healthy for this game. Now, he may be feeling great via some drugs, but he, he's not going to be 100% healthy. So I look at it, and I, I agree with what you said about you know it being so important, but which defense plays better. But one thing I'm really curious about is what style of game does Ohio State want to play offensively? Because when I look at Alabama's offense, it, it seems like with the guys they have on the O line, the guys they have a wide receiver, Najee Harris, a running back, uh, they can play any style you want, right? They can they can run the football and play that way, and then they can spread it out and throw all kinds of different passing concepts with Mac Jones. Like they can play any way they need to. But I I was trying to think of how I thought Ohio State should play, right? Like, what would give them the best chance to win? And I don't think getting in a shootout with Alabama is the best strategy. Now, I want to make it clear. I hope that that happens. I hope this game is like 49 to 50. Like, that's what I want to see. But Ohio State could take a page – from Notre Dame's book, and try to control the clock and limit Bama's possessions. Now, I know that didn't go particularly well for Notre Dame in that semifinal, but Ohio State is way more talented than Notre Dame is. And when you look at who Alabama's played this year, Texas a ms offensive line is really good, but Ohio State has the most talented offensive line that Bama has seen. All season. And Trey Sermon has found a groove the last couple of weeks. So I just think, especially if Bama's getting Waddle back, right? And you're back to, you know, Billingsley, Waddle, Devontae Smith, Mechie, and then Najee Harris. Like, even though Ohio State has Alave and Wilson, I, I just think playing a lower scoring game is more advantageous for Ohio State. I I think if you try to control the clock, maybe put Alabama in an uncomfortable situation where they feel like they got to go score because you're eating up so much time. Because remember, you go back and look at that, what was the eight-minute drive that Notre Dame put together in that game. I think Ohio State could do that with the guys they have on the offensive line and with the way that Trey Sermon's playing. You do that, you mix in the play-action shots to Olave and Wilson. Who knows how they'll mix in the tight ends, right? Those guys were a huge part of their semifinal win over Clemson. But I know Bama has struggled against big passing attacks defensively. I just don't – I really don't think getting into the shootout is the best formula for Ohio State to win this game. Do you agree with that? or Because I've been thinking about it a lot, and I I feel like them – trying to control the tempo of the game would be the best thing for them.
1: I think anytime you're up against a better offense, that's the best way to attack it. And right. I don't think there's any doubt that they're up against a better offense. Um, the question is, you know, are you going to be able to get the stops that you need? Because all that, that theory is great and would be the exact theory that I would chase down. And that's what I would try to do. But, If you're not getting stops, well, you're really not accomplishing anything, right? So, you know, that's, that's the thing is if they can get a couple of stops and, you know, mount a couple of long drives in between now you're working with something, but if you're not getting stops, um, you're really just, you're running yourself short on time. So I don't know. I, I feel like, I think it's going to be like a, a filling out period. I think Ohio State probably wants to play that way, but if they're starting to find some stuff and they feel like they can they can expose them by by moving the ball up and down the field pretty quickly, maybe they do that. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I honestly think, especially after our, our conversation with Cole Kubelik, that the team that gets probably five or six stops defensively wins the game.
0: Yeah, it feels it feels like it's going to be high scoring just with all the talent that's going to be on the field for both offenses. But I, I was trying to think about how Ohio State's defense could try and slow down that machine that is Bama's offense. And one of the things I was thinking about is that they got to roll the dice a little bit. They got to try to force the issue, uh, force some turnovers, and where I think they can. They can make some money in this game. I, I think you would, you attack the interior of Bama's offensive line, uh, whether it's you know with linebackers, with defensive linemen, like slanting, angling, different blitz concepts that puts a ton of pressure on the center position, because Landon Dickerson's not going to be in this game. And I know the backup; he's a talented kid. I understand that, but he's he's just not as good. That's why he was a backup. So. I think they should try to stress him as much as possible. And I'm sure Alabama will scheme some things up, try to take a little pressure off him. But if you can stress the interior of that offensive line and you can get some pressure in Mac Jones's face, even though he's been so efficient this year, Teddy, we talk about it all the time, like quarterbacks with pressure in their face, they will make mistakes. And and I think Ohio State, needs to force a couple turnovers to win this game. So I think they got to take some chances and if they want to bring some pressures, I think they should be interior pressures.
1: Yeah. I you know, you know how I feel. I think the best blitz is the best blitz package is the double A gap where you show it, sometimes you bring it, sometimes one guy bails out, sometimes they both bail out Um, I think there's so much you can do from that one package. You can run stunts and stuff and fold defensive ends and uh, multiple different coverages out of it. And it always gives the threat right away. The quarterback, when he sees it right there in front of his face, the, in my opinion, the clock is automatically sped up and it just kind of throws things off just a little bit. But here's the thing. And I I agree that that's the best way to attack them and not telling you anything you don't know. But when you start bringing pressure, buddy, you better get home because if you don't,
0: I said
1: it was rolling the dice. (laughs) Yeah, you got Waddle, you got Devontae Smith out there. You got guys that are going to be on an island. Now, here's the thing. Ohio State is probably put out more first round corners over the last, you know, three, four or five years than anyone. So they're going to have some cover guys back there that know what they're doing. It's going to be a great challenge. Seth, that's why this matchup so so interesting, man. It's going to be fun.
0: Sean Wade, you want to make some money? There We're going go. to dial up a seven man pressure, and you're gonna you're gonna cover Devontae Smith one on one. Have fun. Good luck. I, because I, if they if they don't take some chances, Ted, I, I think Alabama's just they're going to put drive after drive after drive together, and all of a sudden you're going to look up, and they're going to have forty something. And I I will say this. I think Alabama's going to win the game. I think they're the better team. They've played more football. Uh, it's allowed them to gel more. I think they're a little more talented. But eight and a half points. I mean, Bama's an eight and a half point favorite. A lot. I I mean, I, I don't know if I'm just a sucker, but Ohio State's awfully talented uh, To for me not to take those points. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. I, I think the the interesting thing to me about Alabama is I feel like if they're down they got a great chance of coming back I feel like if they're up there's not much of a chance that their offense is going to totally stall out so I feel like they're good really no matter what what the the style that this thing unfolds I feel like Alabama's got a good shot I'd pick them to win cover Mm, that is a lot for a championship game big number I'd probably, I'd probably just bet the over and say, forget it. Let's let's see some points, boys. Yeah.
0: Life's too short to bet the under, Ted. Let's go <laughs> with the over. That that'll be our bet on this game. Okay, uh, let's move on to some college football news, and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and educational, and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, so a couple pieces of news. Jim Harbaugh, our favorite man, Ted. Harbaugh signed an extension with Michigan that'll keep him there through 2025. Now, the New Deal cuts his salary in half to a base of $4 million, but he can get close to what he was a make was making on his last deal, which was eight million dollars. He can get close on this new deal if he hits incentives like one of the Big Ten, going to the college football playoffs, stuff like that. But Teddy, this this contract is so weird because it makes too much sense. Like it it it, it is baffling that a coach is going to get rewarded if his team does well and if his team does poorly he doesn't get rewarded. In yes. fact, it's a small buyout too. So like if he does really poorly, it doesn't cost Michigan much for to make him go away. I what in the world is happening here? I suppose this is what happens when you don't have an agent.
1: Well, this is this is kind of what I thought was going to happen with this deal whenever I keep we heard all these rumors that he's going to sign an extension. My thought was, well, they want to sign him to an extension to kind of calm everything down on the recruiting front and people out there saying that he's not going to be around. Why would you go to Michigan? They're going to be getting rid of it, their coach. Uh, it calms all that down. But at the same time, you I, I figured they were going to change something with the buyout clause and make it uh, easier for the university to get out of this deal. And it makes a lot of sense. You still got a really good base salary, but you got a chance to make a lot of good money if you accomplish some big things. That's how it should be, right? It's exactly how it should be.
0: Michigan fans have to be going, okay? So we're just we're just complacent with what we've been doing, okay? But it, it's also let's be realistic about who could Michigan have gotten that was better.
1: I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's coaches out there. Yeah, young
0: up-and-coming guy, maybe.
1: I don't know that they could have gotten anyone that the media and their fan base would have said, oh, what a great hire. We've got it now. I mean, there's a <laughs> bunch of great coaches out there, but that doesn't mean whatever you make the hire that your fans are going to love it and the media is going to say that you hit it out of the park.
0: And, and I guarantee you they wouldn't have gotten a coach to sign this contract.
1: <laughs> right. No. Yeah, no. the
0: agent would have been like, yeah, uh, he's, he's not signing that. Okay, despite some reports, Matt Campbell is not interviewing for the New York Jets job, and he actually put something out on Twitter saying, essentially, he's not going anywhere. He's staying there in Ames, and thank God, because Iowa State needs to stay good. It's good for OU if Iowa State stays good, because I do think as long as Matt Campbell is there and as long as they build – the way they have built the last several years and developed guys the way that they developed them. I could see Iowa state being that number two team in the big 12, the, the the team that we all thought Texas would be right. Once they reinstated the big 12 championship game, but it seems like with the culture, with the development, all those things, you know, they got a ton of guys coming back, right? We, we saw, Hey, Charlie Kohler said he's coming back and, all he tweeted was, quote, I'm coming back to Iowa State for one more year. No fancy graphic, <laughs> no video, just just a tweet. Seems very on brand, but I, I was thrilled when I saw him put that statement out on Twitter. I was like, yes, because that's good for Iowa State, obviously, but it's good for the Big 12, and it's good for Oklahoma.
1: I, I agree. I mean, the more – Better the, the better the player that comes out of the Big 12 into the NFL, that's that makes it better for us to recruit, you know, whatever recruits aren't dumb. They're looking to see, well, how many tight ends got drafted out of this conference and that conference? How many defensive ends got drafted out of this conference and that conference? Now, that doesn't mean that we have to sit here and uh, all get Big 12 tattoos. Uh, but what we're saying is you know if if you've got more good teams in there more good players are going to show up in your league and and that ultimately is going to help you and here's the other thing i like watching iowa state i like the way they're I coached i like the way they play i like their style i like their grit i like their toughness um i'm anxious i cannot wait for the matchup next year in norman i think it's going to be an awesome football game so i think you know, I I think it's that's all good news. Now I hope this isn't the dreaded uh, tweet about how he's staying. Meanwhile, there's a, a deal being made right now for him to go. Hope that's not the case, and I don't think it is. What's the latest on Mike Rose? He's is, coming is back. He, wow. Yeah, he's coming so, back. Yeah. No. Juan they, Bailey's the only one they're losing. Every
0: I think like everyone's coming back for them. Oh, you lost. Oh, uh, you basically struck out on bringing guys back. And Iowa State's essentially bringing back everyone.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, so uh,
0: there's it's gonna be a fun year. There, there is a conversation being had currently about Iowa State being the Big Twelve preseason pick. Like, there and people are serious about it. I was like, well, I'm gonna pick Oklahoma because they've won it six years in a row. But I get it. I think Bailey's like the only guy they're losing.
1: It's. It would be legitimately the, the best pick you could have made over the last however many years other than OU. I mean, uh, other than just hope and prayer, You know, you know, people pick Texas every now and then after they look good in a bowl game or, you know, Oklahoma State whenever they had a bunch of guys coming back. But this Iowa State team is getting everyone back and there's real meat and potatoes there. They're coached well. Uh, they just want a great bowl game, good quarterback. I think that, I think Brock Purdy this year, you know, you talked about your interview with him and he was talking about the pressure of having to be the guy. You feel like next year, it'll be a little bit different for him after he kind of struggled under the weight of that for a whole year that maybe he'll find some more comfort uh, in that role. But Hey, I'm all for it. I think that's great.
0: Let's get it on, baby. Okay, one last thing. A uh, couple of really good players coming back. Ty fryfogel which is possibly nice. my my favorite name to say in all of college football. Stud, wide receiver for Indiana, announced he's coming back for another year. And then Desmond Ritter, who is a really entertaining quarterback there for Cincinnati, said he's coming back for another season. So uh, I love when the entertaining players come back. Ted, it's uh, it, it's good for college football when the when the players stay. I, I know that you you watch a guy like Fry Fogel, and we're all going to be hoping he doesn't get hurt next season. But with how deep this wide receiver class is, I think he views it as a way for him to make some money.
1: No, I, I understand that hundred um, percent. I I love whenever guys stay and come back. Um, I understand the the business aspect and go make your money while you can but I'll just tell you I played in the NFL um, there's nothing better in this world than playing college football there's just not other than maybe playing high
0: school football
1: pretty yeah.
0: uh, th- th- high school football is pretty high school's
1: awesome. pretty cool I mean it's it's so much fun that I would I'd give anything to, to have one more year of college football
0: I don't know about anything you wouldn't give up your child or maybe you would I don't know
1: Hmm. no i would not but (laughs) you get the point almost anything almost anything
0: almost anything okay uh let's talk a little nfl and we're gonna do that with our winners and losers of super wild card weekend and teddy's winners and losers brought to you by advanced weight loss clinic of sand springs they'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you they've got all kinds of treatments for men and women their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Teddy, I've got a couple winners and a couple losers for Super Wildcard Weekend, but let's start. Who do you got for your winners of super I, wild card weekend
1: for me it's got to be green bay packers and i know they didn't play but they went from having to 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 battle who was it were they going to have to play uh the bucks tampa bay buccaneers if seattle won that football game to now and i think the rams are a good squad especially that defense don't get me wrong but a banged up Rams team uh, that's coming in. Aaron with Donald is he out? It uh, exactly. Did not look good. It didn't look good, but you know he didn't look too bothered by it. There in the, late in the fourth quarter, standing he, on like, the sideline.
0: They were saying ribs when it happened. I thought maybe he like tore an ab or
1: something. Yeah, I don't know. That whole thing was weird. That
0: guy's an absolute freak show, though.
1: My guess is he'll he's going to be out there and ready to go. But I mean, I still feel like Green Bay kind of ended up winning that whole exchange there and is going to have a a really nice uh, matchup for them. If they had all the teams to pick from, I bet they'd probably pick the Rams to play. Uh, So I think that they won that. And, hey, we get the old man bowl. We get, what, 43 and 42 or something like that, years old, two quarterbacks. It's crazy. Uh, But both (laughs) those teams looking pretty salty right now.
0: Did you see that graphic they had who was it was it like George Blanda yes. or someone next to Tom Brady? <laughs> it was Brady? a
1: rough looking 43 wasn't it? He looked oh. 63.
0: The mutton chops were the best part. I was like, "Oh wow. my gosh, I need to get Tom Brady's skincare regimen."
1: <laughs> no doubt. That was that was not a good look uh for Blanda. They did not have to put him up against, you know, Tom Brady who's I, I don't know what he does to stay looking young and, and and the way he is, but, geez, that was funny. I did see I, that.
0: I know some people are like, well, he's probably had some work done, to which I say, uh, uh, show me who his surgeon was because I'm going there <laughs> immediately. The guy looks incredible.
1: Hey, genetics, probably, and doesn't he drink like three gallons of water a day, something ridiculous like that?
0: Yeah, and like doesn't eat strawberries or doesn't eat tomatoes. I don't know. I haven't I haven't taken a deep dive in the TB12 stuff. Maybe I'll do that for fun. I'll
1: sometime. tell you, I will embrace the ugly uh, if it means that I can continue to eat tomatoes and strawberries. I love both of those. I love strawberries. They're delightful. <laughs> I'm oh. past the point of no return. Anyways, I don't think it matters <laughs> for me.
0: Yeah. Okay, who do you have as your loser of Super
1: Wildcard Weekend? How about the Tennessee Titans Mm. down in the fourth quarter on the 40-yard line of their opponent with a fourth and two? Now, any team I would say should probably think very seriously about going for it, but a team with a 2,000-yard back in the backfield, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say let's take our chances with the 270-pound running back. I know they did a good job hemming him up all day, but, you know, at some point, you've got to to kind of step outside and and create a little bit of offense for yourself. That was tough to watch for them.
0: And Vrabel's an aggressive guy. I was, I, I was shocked. I mean, I really and was. I,
1: I believe they got eight yards on first down with the run, and then... Threw it two times. Threw it on second and two, and then on third and two. Mm. Frustrating.
0: Yeah. Uh, And then they got their logo stomped on. They were were dancing all over it.
1: That was brutal.
0: Yeah, there was... So, four teams that employed me at one point uh, played this weekend, in the wildcard weekend, and (laughs) uh, the Titans were the only ones to lose. And my theory is... My dogs have jerseys for every team I played for, right? And when, you know, when the Bills were playing on Saturday, dogs were in their Bills jerseys, you know, an exciting win for the Bills, right? And we we wake up on Sunday and we're looking for jerseys to put on the dogs and we both look at each other and we're like, wait, we didn't have the dogs yet when <laughs> we, when you were playing for the Titans. <laughs> That was the problem. I knew it was a bad omen because, uh, I mean, Saints won, Bills won, Browns are currently up 35 to 7 at halftime. And the Titans, they couldn't get it done. It was the dog jersey curse, man. It, th- that's on wow.
1: me. Wow. So, how, what do you think next? How does it, how do you differentiate between who wins next with the, the dog jerseys?
0: I don't know. I'm just going to keep putting them on the dogs when the team <laughs> plays and, you know, may,
1: let them uh... pick their own jersey somehow.
0: Okay. That's actually a great idea. That's a great <laughs> idea. Okay. My winners and losers are brought to you by sound advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at sound advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, I got a couple winners. Teddy, first one, Taylor Heineke. That kid battled his ass off. He was diving for pylons. He was scrambling around like a maniac. He got hurt. He came back. I mean, for the situation he was put in, what a performance by that kid. I, I don't care that his team lost, right? It was awesome to watch. And I was like, you know what? Maybe the Texans should just trade to Sean Watson. He's all mad. Maybe straight up for Heineke, straight up one, one for one.
1: I mean, if if I didn't know any better, I would say that I was watching a legit NFL starting quarterback out there, right? You, you know what he looked like? He looked
0: kind of like what we all thought Johnny Manziel might be as an NFL. Yeah, player. that's
1: I was about what he looked say, like. I was about to say a faster Baker Mayfield. He looked like <laughs> Chandler Morris. Is who he looked like, Ted? <laughs> I mean, he was great. I mean, scrambling around in the pocket, eyes downfield made a couple of beautiful throws. Um, you know, there were some drops out there that didn't help him out a whole heck of a lot. I thought he was great. I mean, do you think he ends up getting a, a legitimate shot somewhere? With
0: that performance, he earned himself at least five more years in the NFL as backup, right? Uh-huh. I, I mean, when you show you can play like that on that stage,
1: game. Yeah. Ah,
0: yeah, you're in. I, I mean, I saw Charlie Whitehurst. Tweeting about it, he was like, "Hell, he just earned himself ten more years, and he may even get a signing bonus."
1: <laughs> it was man, great. That was he was great, man. That that play where he dove for that pylon was awesome. That was so athletic and. That was, that was fantastic. And, and was somebody was like, have
0: you seen his old tweets? And I was like, I don't want to hear about it. I just want to watch the kid play. I don't, <laughs> I don't even, don't even tell me like, just let me watch this kid play. Cause he's balling. So I I don't know what they were probably not good, but you know what? It was fun to watch him play football. I don't endorse his lifestyle. If whatever he said was extremely hateful, I have no idea what they were, but it was fun to watch him play. Okay. Another winner, Lamar Jackson, right? Gets his first playoff win and did it in comeback fashion, right? Being down yeah. double digits. So that was kind of two things that have been a big knock on Lamar. And that has to be such a relief for him. Now the Ravens probably won that game because, like you mentioned earlier, they shut down Derrick Henry. I think he had like 40 yards rushing, but there's a couple plays in that game that Lamar Jackson made. That touchdown run, Teddy. That that was insane how he took that run to like another gear. He looked, he looked like the fastest guy in the field and he probably, he, he probably is, but oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. He, he makes a couple of cuts. He gets out into the open field and then we'll make one more cut and he tries to split everyone. And he, like you said, he drops the hammer and puts it into another gear and he's gone. And that was really his legs were the difference in that football game. Now he made some good throws, made some nice throws. I thought Hollywood had a, had a really nice performance, uh, showed how big of a threat he was in that offense, but the real difference maker is the way Lamar Jackson can tuck the ball down and take off whenever you feel like you've got him hemmed in for, for a a third down stop. And next thing you know, it's an explosive play or a touchdown. So no, I, I agree a hundred percent. That was, that was huge for Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah. And just impossible to defend also and then uh one other winner for super Wildcard weekend that's uh players that say they don't need to practice because now i lied the browns are the pittsburgh just kicked a field goal heading into the half so the browns are up 35 10 wow. at halftime on the road against a divisional rival that talked a little i mean it was just juju smith shoots leading into the game but boy that has to feel good and how many jokes are going to be made in that locker room? Coach, we don't need you and we don't need
1: to practice. I mean, that's, I mean, I I think that's hilarious, but at the same time as a rookie head coach who, you know, really led this turnaround with this team and you're sitting at home, there does have to be a bit of anxiety feeling like, Oh my God, they don't, they don't need me. (laughs) You think think his feelings are hurt? I mean, I think it's only natural that you want, you want to feel like there's no way the world can keep spinning without you. So that's,
0: that's one of those things. Like whether it's, you know, you graduated, uh, and wherever you went, the, the, you know, the team the next year won a lot of games and you're like, Oh man. Or like when you get hurt, right. And the team keeps winning and you're like, damn it. Like it's only natural. So may, maybe Stefanski is one of the losers. I want you win, it,
1: but I want the person who's playing my position to be god-awful. That's, that's what
0: That's <laughs> the most natural reaction ever for a football player that's hurt. Okay, so a couple losers of Super Wildcard Weekend. First, <laughs> it's got to be Cordero Patterson because, Ted, I don't know if you saw this, but Saints-Bears, uh, the call a penalty, the ref mic picks up Cordero Patterson dropping the most clear F-bomb I've ever heard on an NFL broadcast from him. I mean, it is clear as day. It is loud. It is crisp. And the broadcast was also on Nickelodeon, and they got it. <laughs> clear as day.
1: Oh, uh, man. I actually clicked it over there to see what it looked like. I uh, thought it was pretty good. For a little bit. Yeah, it, bad. it wasn't bad. I love
0: Burleson. He's great. But- yeah.
1: That's had, funny, though. Usually it's uh, obscured in, you know, there's 15 other guys dropping the F-bomb at the same time, and it all kind of gets lost in the mix. But a crisp, clean, solo F-bomb. How about that?
0: The crispest, the cleanest, and he was the only guy in the camera shot, too. <laughs> so, like, there was no doubt that it was him. So that was uh, that was my first loser of the weekend. And then my second, it, Russell Wilson, man. I mean, and, and I know his defense didn't do him a ton of favors, but he was straight up bad in that game, right? Was it 11 of 27, 174 yards at yeah. home in the playoffs? Come on.
1: No, that was bad. I will say this that he was getting his ass handed to him by that defensive line of the Rams. Yeah. Uh, you're I saw right. Oboe getting in on the action.
0: Aaron Donald he blasted is
1: him once there on the sideline. So he was under an uh, intense amount of pressure. But, yeah, there were some balls that he threw that typically he – missed Metcalf to, on a couple he, long ones. Yeah. I thought that was a bad – like Metcalf, got, he got tugged on one of them, that one that hit him in one hand. I thought that should have been a penalty. But, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting game. You know, I picked Seattle to win that because of Russell Wilson. I thought he'd really be able to elevate – his play and that is uncharacteristic of Russell Wilson in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And then my last loser, of uh, super wildcard weekend, Phillip rivers. And I, I don't think he played that bad, right? I, I don't, but it, it is quite possible that that may be the last time we see him play a game. I mean, who knows if he retires, he, he might not, but the visual of him and what could be his last play not being able to get the ball to the end zone on that last Hail Mary. Uh, it just wasn't a good look that it was. That yeah. was a great game between the Colts and bills. It was, it was Awesome. In- incredibly entertaining. It was exciting, but that last Hail Mary, it not even being able to make it to the end zone. Uh, and I love how the announcers talked about it. They were like, well, are they going to put Brissett in to come throw this Hail Mary? Cause we don't know if rivers can get it there. And he definitely didn't
1: talk about contrasting styles. You've got one quarterback that can, what, throw it 80 yards on his knees or something like that? Isn't that what Josh Allen did? Before yeah, the,
0: he's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, absolute cannon with another guy that is somewhere between a shot put and a, like a seven year old girl learning how to throw a softball. I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> it's really weird. And somehow he's managed to, to play a long time in the NFL with that throwing motion, but it, it I, they've got to do something else at quarterback. Carson Wentz. There's been a lot of rumors that Carson Wentz may link up with this former offensive coordinator. So, Makes sense. I don't know. We'll see. I, hey, get the Heineke kid. Let's go.
0: Trade for trade for Heineke for Philip Rivers for Heineke. Straight up. Let's make it happen. Okay, now we're gonna do something a little different. It's. uh I, I, this is the first time we've had a rock star on the show so we'll we'll see how this goes so and this interview with Kings of Leon's Jared Followill is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes are you looking to build your dream home if so Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs he can find you a lot he can find you an architect he'll find you financing and of course he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Galardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's Spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit Tim Okay, here's Jared Followwell. It is our pleasure to be joined by a four-time Grammy Award winner. Now that's a big deal, but probably the most prestigious award he's ever received is being the best man in my wedding. That's <laughs> probably more important than the Grammys, but Jared Followwell from Kings of Leon is in the house. What's up, man? What's up, guys? This is cool. Where is that? That looks awesome. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm
2: about 30 minutes south of Nashville.
0: So, yeah, Jared just bought a – not to put your business out there, bud, but Mm -hmm. he just bought a piece of land on one of those Discovery golf courses, which is like the the best places on earth. They Mm -hmm. just did one outside of Nashville. So he's big balling now, which is – pretty awesome i'm jealous it's fine
2: i mean what else are you gonna do when you're kind of stuck at home you move to a a country club
1: (laughs) trying to to figure out how to play golf that's what you're trying right now right gabe you're trying to pick it up a little bit
0: i'm trying to figure it out man i i've got the clubs i've i've gone all in you know my, my wife's really into it so you know, I, I've got no choice. I, she got me golf lessons for Christmas, like 10 of them. So I got no choice. I, I I've got to get good boys. Like that's
2: no, going to get good. That sucks. Cause you're going to come here and you're going to be good. And I'm awful.
0: Well, well, and this is the longest I've gone without seeing you since we've known each other. So I, I better be good by the time I come out there and play, because I don't want to embarrass you in front of your new friends. I know.
2: I don't even play, but I'm so bad. You were like, you got to get out there and play to get better. I'm like, I'm not playing until I'm good. I want to be close to scratch before I start playing.
1: (laughs) That's always how it works. It's you got to play more to get good. To me, that just means you got to drink more because every time you go out on the golf course, that's uh, ultimately what it ends up being—about eight to twelve beers, Uh maybe maybe something a little stronger at the turn, and the game inevitably totally falls apart.
2: Yeah, I've played the course here um, three times and I've never finished it, never. You just, you uh, you fall apart on like 12 and then it's just by 15, you're going straight to the clubhouse. Like, yeah, we, we did good enough. That was fun.
0: <laughs> I'd rather get drunk now. I'm good at that. I'm good at the drinking part. I'm not great at the golf part. So uh, I completely understand. Okay, so this is kind of how I wanted to do this, Jay. I wanted to break it up between like, OU football stuff and yeah. then the music stuff because you guys just came out with a couple new singles. Uh, your, your eighth studio album is about to come out here in March. So we want to, we want to, you know, plug the album, plug the singles and all that. But I did want to start with the OU football stuff because I, I feel like a lot of people know that y'all are OU fans, mm-hmm. but probably don't know why or how that kind of happened. So w- what's the story there? How did, you know, the guys in Kings of Leon become big OU football fans? Um,
2: We kind of were just born that way. I know that sounds weird, but our dads, my dad was one of five boys and they all were born. My dad was born in 1957 in Oklahoma and they were pretty good at football back then. Um, So he grew up just, uh, everybody loved it. There's no pro teams in Oklahoma at that time at all, like no sports. Um, I think, you know, they had like the Blazers and 89ers and a few things like that. That, um, a
0: Blazers I- reference. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah.
2: I-, I think I went to a couple games, but, um, they, uh, were just massive fans. So, growing, I don't remember not being a Sooners fan. Um, and we're technically T shirt fans because we didn't go to college there, but I technically didn't go to college anywhere. Um, I dropped out of high school to be in the band, so you can't fault me too much for it. Um, But, no, it's just a family thing. You know, we really had no choice. Do
1: you got a favorite, you know, uh, OU football memory? Either something from your childhood watching OU or maybe being at a game or something?
2: Yeah, I I went to a few games when I was young. I think I watched us beat Iowa one time in the 90s. That was the first game I went to. Um, that was a lot of fun, but I mean, I grew up, uh, all of the, the big memories w- I I know exactly where I was when they happened. It's just like the funnest stuff in the world I, like, we're extremely passionate about it and it hurts my feelings really bad if they lose, I'm upset for a week. Um, so it's like, it's a big deal for us for sure.
0: Yeah. Jared takes, uh, losing, uh, way worse than I do. For for OU games, Ted, but he is Jared he one always of those talks, guys that's
1: blowing up your phone whenever we're playing bad during the game. Exactly. Right.
0: That that's <laughs> yes. exactly it's that's me. me, Jared, and Kerry Murdoch have a group text that is a constant stream of elation or just mm-hmm. complete frustration, but Teddy always, Jared always talks to me about that, uh, that LSU national championship game being his favorite
1: game. Oh God, oh God, what a disaster! That's okay. Sorry, I had to. It,
0: the
2: The championship was just so fresh that I, did, it was not even that big of a deal. You know, like I was upset, but you're still kind of like if you win a national championship, you can go five years without it, it ten years, and you're still kind of okay. It hurts. Um, I mean, I was at the Florida National Championship game. I've been at a a couple playoff games, Rose Bowl against Bama and Miami. There's been some tough losses, but there's been a lot more good wins.
1: Well, hey, I feel like it's been a long time, obviously. You know, whenever you won it in 2000, you were right back in 2003. And obviously in 2004, it's like, hey, this is no big deal. We're going to get one sooner or later. And here we are 20 years later. But, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot. We feel like next year is like where kind of the stars are aligning. We got a good group of guys coming back. You look at Alabama, Clemson, some of those Ohio State, they're losing their quarterbacks uh, that have been there for for a a, a nice little uh, tenure. So it looks like things are lining up to make a really good run at it next year
2: you guys know more than me, but what about like for Mandre Stevenson and Perkins and all those guys leaving? I mean, that has to not help.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it. it. I I don't think now those are probably, they were probably the two most important players on, you know, Stevenson on offense and then Perkins on defense. But I, you would hope that they'll, they're, they're able to develop some guys to kind of fill in those holes, Ted? I, I know it's it's not good when you're losing your best players, and that, that's what's happening. And we were hoping that those guys would be coming back, but it just didn't work out that way.
1: I, you know, honestly, if you would have told me a year ago that Ronnie Parker, maybe not even a year ago, maybe uh, six weeks ago, if you would have told me that Ronnie Perkins is gone off of this defense next year, I may have been scratching my head saying, Oh my God, what are we going to do? But honestly, with the way this defense has gotten better and the players on that defensive line have continued to develop, I think they're going to be fine. That's not to diminish anything from Ronnie Perkins. I just think that recruiting development wise defensive line is in a better position than we've been in in years.
2: Oh yeah, sorry for being a Debbie Downer. I'm I'm all on board.
1: I'm with you. No, no, I know what you mean. I mean that's the question right now. That's the honest question: is how do we how do we replace those guys who were two of the most productive players on the team?
0: Yeah, and you look at you look at running back, and you're hoping that Kennedy Brooks could, you know, will be back. That's what every everything seems to be pointing to. So like you, you get a guy that's been a really productive guy back at the running back position. And then you look at what Perkins brought, whether it's kind of, you know, an outside linebacker type or defensive end, you got guys like Reggie Grimes, Brendan Walker, that you're hoping can take another step. And frankly, those guys may be more physically talented than Perkins. You know what I mean, Jared? Like, I I think those guys can, the staff feels really good about those guys.
2: Yeah. I'm a big, big Grimes fan. Huge. Uh, He is from – he went to Mount Juliet High School. I heard about him. I went to Mount Juliet High School. Coaches there told me about him, sick kid, like insane. And then he transferred. He was a five-star for a while. They demoted him a little bit like at the very end. Um, But he transferred to Brentwood, which is also right here by where we live. I go to Brentwood every day. So I, I love when we can steal some SEC guys and bring them out there. I love Woody Washington both number one players from Tennessee two years in a row, which is incredible because all of my Tennessee football friends are horrible people and very obnoxious. (laughs) So I just love taking anything from them.
1: Well, they've got some more stuff brewing there that you're going to be able to hang over their heads, it looks like. But it (laughs) sounds like you follow recruiting quite a bit now. Were you one of those that were hitting the panic button here late whenever we lost the running back out of – Texas the offensive lineman wide receiver those those five-star kids that a lot of people felt like we had a a good chance of, of bringing in
2: yeah I mean I didn't hit the panic button it's your expectations were so high it goes from six five stars in one class to missing out on the last four and so it was a little bit of a gut punch but the class is insane. I mean, you've got a five-star quarterback and a five-star wide receiver that alone, there are so many teams that would just give anything to have that. Um, and you're adding that to so much already. So many five-star wide receivers quarterback already on rosters, five-star. Um, I think that it just puts a lot of pressure to have no misses, you know, like, cause it's not extremely deep. Um, it's kind of a smaller class. So you just kind of have a little bit less security blanket. You know, you kind of just have to hit on all those guys. And if you do, it could be an incredible class.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's how the coaches kind of approached it, right? And Teddy and I have talked about this where it was, you know, they weren't going to reach it all. They were going to get guys that they felt not only were really talented, but fit the system. Well, and you know that that necessarily hadn't been the case, right? The last several years, where you saw some guys in class, and you were like, "Okay, we'll see if that guy ends up being anything at all." You know, kind of a three-star kid, but I I'm excited about the class, and it, it will be interesting to see. I, I'm most excited probably about some of those defensive linemen, and that I I think that's where OU has been improving. Recruiting is, you know, getting those athletic guys with length there on the defensive line. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Now, recruiting is obviously one of your passions. Uh, you and Kerry talk about it in the group text all the time. <laughs> and, but I, I did want to talk about some of the games this year. And I, I know you're a dad now. So mm-hmm. you're, you're you're a little more occupied than you used to be. When it comes to watching the games, but did you have a favorite game this year for OU? Obviously, Texas and four overtimes was pretty insane. Uh, destroying Oklahoma State in Bedlam, uh, the Cotton Bowl against Florida. It, it was there one game where you're like, okay, that yeah, that was my favorite game of the year.
2: Yeah, Um I don't like close games. I'm a uh, already a, a ball of stress, and so the four overtime game almost killed me. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that. I I love that we won, but I could have died. So that's definitely not my favorite game. I love blowouts. All of my friends are like, you don't want a close, like classic game. No, no. I loved beating the whatever out of Florida. My neighbor is a Florida fan, swear to God. Um, He he had a flag up and everything. Um, But that was incredible. And being in SEC territory, Uh, You guys have no idea. I mean, you guys live in Oklahoma. My dad hates Oklahoma State so much. And I'm like, I don't understand it that much. And I, not to sound like a a prick about it, but we beat them so much. It's almost like there's no, like, I don't feel the hatred there. I'm just kind of like, I almost, and I love, uh, I've got friends who are OK State fans. I almost kind of feel sorry for them. Um, (laughs) So I don't, I, so beating them very badly is fun, but still not my favorite, I think. And a big bowl game, a lot of kids watching. they can say they were disinterested, but so were we, we've been in the playoffs for the past F and 18 years in a row. Um, so we could say we're disinterested, you know, like
1: uh, uh, that was a, a, an ass beating. And it was very fun. It is an interesting dynamic, you know, like most OU fans won't even consider Oklahoma state a rivalry. And it's like to not even give them the satisfaction of being considered a rival of our program. But in the sec, the fan bases all like linked together. It is the weirdest dynamic I think that I've oh. ever seen. So I, I don't know, but I'll say this though, the big 12, did show well and i do feel like is a bit of a conference on the rise at least changing some of the narrative nationally uh, especially playing defense and uh, while i don't care about how any of those teams do i think some of that can help us in recruiting if these teams start sending guys to the nfl
2: absolutely i i mean i think that the sec thing is very embarrassing that they band together like that and they kind of just they talk about their team, like Arkansas fans talking crap to me in bars about. I mean, it's just a, a different thing. But I do enjoy when the Big Twelve kicks ass in the bowl games. Like that was very awesome to see. It makes me, you know, proud of the whole conference.
0: Yeah, uh, let let's hope that that momentum carries and Matt Campbell staying at Iowa State should help. Hopefully, there'll be like a. You know, a consistent number two team. We'll see what happens with Texas with Sarkeesian. Okay, I think Oklahoma State's the number two team.
1: Oh, I see what you did
0: there. <laughs> Gosh, you got all the dad jokes now, don't you? Love That's it. All I got. So uh, one thing that you and I have done a lot last year, the last couple of years, Jared, is complain about the defense. And probably no one has complained about the defense. In a positive way, or spun it positively more than Teddy Layman has. But <laughs> it, is it weird not being able to complain about the defense? Because Alex Grant, year two, like they did play well on that side of the ball.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because we're spoiled with the offense, but nothing gets you more fired up than a good defense. Big sacks, safeties, uh, interceptions, fumbles, pick six, that kind of thing. It's just it's more exciting than a touchdown pass. I, I don't know why, and I, like I said, it's probably because we're spoiled. There's probably some SEC teams that feel the exact opposite because that's what kind of all they hung their hat on was their defense. But it's weird and it's fun, and I'm it's a breath of fresh air for
1: sure. Did you have to? Because I feel like we should have given a like a like a little ten-step class for Sooner fans of how to transition your fandom to a defensive football team because uh, there was a lot of panicking over play calling and why aren't we more aggressive what are we doing whatever you are playing to your defense it's just a different style and it plays out a little bit differently uh, in front of you were you one of those that was kind of panicking over the way Lincoln was calling offense at times absolutely
2: uh, I mean not as much as my brothers who are in a group text with me losing their minds over it but it is you do panic when you are so used to you're not scoring a touchdown you're like well they're definitely going to score a touchdown because that's what they do every time they get the ball you know (laughs) it's been like that for a few years so when they don't score touchdowns and you're kicking field goals you're like oh well this is over like we we can score 50 points and lose so i mean what are we going to do when we score 27 it's not gonna so I was a little bit panicky, but then you kind of get used to it. I needed that 10-step program.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, one last football question, and then we will try our best to uh, talk music with you, which I assume is going to be awful. But you know what? We're going to try our best. But besides me and Teddy, because I I know that would definitely be your first two answers, do you have a favorite OU football player of all time, like someone that – you know, you've, you've always loved, or it can be recent, it can be from the past. Like, do you have that one guy?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, mine's mine are probably goofy. Cause like a lot of the like super classic guys were before I was around like the boss and stuff like that. I mean, I was like a year old. So, right. um, and I do think he's awesome. I hate cocky, mean players on other teams. But when they're on your team, for some reason, it's just so endearing. Um, and and I loved watching Sam Bradford play a lot. Like he and he's a buddy, and he's he was so fun. I was so excited when he got there. But um, Baker's my favorite. I can't not. He's my favorite player. I think he's I my favorite him. too. <laughs> yeah, I just love him.
1: He, he was, was the most fun for me to ever cover. And I'll tell you, like he's the the exact opposite of personality that I like typically. It's like, Oh my God, this guy really, but yeah. he won me over. It took a little bit of time, but he finally won me over. I mean, his story, he walked
2: on at two schools. I mean, he's not huge. It's just like, it's the coolest story. I love him.
0: Yeah. I I've gotten into this argument. I think he's the most popular. A lot of people say the boss and I understand, yeah. but the world's different now. I, I think he's the most, I think he's the most loved OU player of all time. Uh, I, I truly believe that okay here comes the music talk we're gonna do <laughs> our best so please don't laugh at us uh this is this isn't exactly our uh our expertise but uh, i'm gonna start here so you guys released two new singles uh 100 people in the bandit they are out anywhere you can stream music uh your eighth studio album uh, when you see yourself is coming out march 5th right yep exactly March 5th so that that is that's right around the corner now my first question is you know we we've talked a lot about how difficult it was this year for sports to happen right especially football you know there was a lot of doubt about whether or not college football would get played the NFL would get played but it has worked out but concerts have just ceased to exist and you know me and Caroline were supposed to meet you and Martha in London in June and go to one of your shows. And like, obviously that didn't happen. So like, what has that this year been like for you as a musician, no concerts, no live music. It's gotta be weird as hell.
2: It is weird. Um, and we're in a weird position and you guys are in a similar position to where there's not really a right answer and people can call you out on either way you look at it. Like you could say, um, like I hate the lockdowns. They're so stupid. I don't want to be locked down. I think they're bad. And people are be like, oh, you're sitting in your mansion. It, you, you don't have to worry about income. Like you're going to boo hoo over being locked down. And so you're like, okay, cool. Like, I think the lockdowns are great. I get to be with my family. It's awesome. I'm kind of a lazy person. I just get to sit around and like, well, of course you like the lockdown you're sitting <laughs> in your mansion with your money. Don't have to worry about income. Like I've got to work, you know? So you kind of get, put into a thing to where I've just shut up about it and don't, you can't really have a right answer and I'm just kind of letting it all happen, but it is weird not playing shows. It's that's my life. That's all I've ever done. Really. I mean, I joined the band when I was 15 um, and I miss it really, really bad, but it has been pretty awesome being able to, and my daughter was born in January of 2020 and, um, and just to get to be with her and be home, it's been pretty cool. There's been a lot of silver linings to all
1: this. So I imagine maybe a lot of the hay was already in the barn with this album before the lockdowns. Maybe not, but how has that affected, like, kind of some of the songwriting process and the way that you guys record and and just the whole way that you put together an album? Was that a big roadblock, or in a way did it make things easier? Maybe. Um. It definitely, well,
0: well,
2: we were done. So we had written the songs and we had gone to the studio and we had finished it, but we are, we always second guess ourselves constantly. So before this even happened, we were like, it it was so hard to stop and just say like, okay, we're finished. The album is done. We're not going to do anything else. We're not going back because we could have done it forever. We worked longer on this one than we have on any other album. We were in there for, 10 or 11 months which is unheard of. We've never spent more than 2 months ever. So we finish it we're like yes we're done and then boom they're like e- everything just goes to crap. And so we know that it's not going to come out for 3 months, maybe 6, could be a year. And so then it, that is a huge thing of going like oh my god and I just didn't text anybody and they didn't text me. And I'm just going, please don't talk about going back in there. Like it's good. Let's leave it the way it is. Don't mess with it. So it, it was a really hard, but we didn't actually do anything. But the not doing anything was very hard and uncomfortable. You're just so nervous that people are going to start second guessing and Caleb wants to scrap the album and we start over and I jump off a bridge that
0: (laughs) Now, one thing that, you know, I, I know just because we talk essentially every day is your guys fans were really after you about, Hey, where's the new album? Where's the new album? Where's the new album? And like you said, it was, you know, you guys had had done pretty much all the hard work, but, you, you have to factor in the business side of things, right. Where you can capitalize on the momentum and go play shows after you're releasing all those things. So like, how frustrating was that just having your fans being like, what the hell guys? Yeah, it's
2: excruciating really, because you know, it's there. We know that we're happy with what we did. We're excited about it. Um, and you can't tell them because we don't know when it's going to be released. You cannot tell your fans, hey, we, we're done with the album. It's sitting right there on the shelf, but we're not going to release it for a year. So it, it, the thing is, when we make an album, we want to be able to present the entire album to our fans. We want to be able to play shows. We want to be able to give them the whole thing. And not just cash in and say like, okay, cool, we're not playing any shows, we're going to sit on our ass for a year, but here take the music and buy it and give us some money for it. We want the whole thing for everybody. And we knew at that time, and honestly, still right now, it's not safe. We can't play concerts, you can't fit 1000s of people into a a small arena indoors. so we had to just be very quiet about it and not tell people until we can give them the entire thing and it sucked and it hurt but it was the right thing to do
1: i'm always fascinated in the like the daily life of a professional musician because like for instance for football players a lot of people watch you know football on a sunday and feel like well, that team just practiced the way I did when I was in little league and they show up on Sunday and they play football. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people see musicians and feel like, well, they just, they know their songs already. They just show <laughs> up and, and play them. So what is, what's a typical daylight? Because obviously for athletes, there's, there's diet, there's lifting weights, there's all the film study. Like what's a typical day for you? How much do you play? How much, do you song write? Like, what's a typical day being a musician for you?
2: Um, it's probably different for all musicians, really. But I think that it's way easier than what you guys do. Way less work, way less mental, way less everything. Because I mean, you basically do chunk work, huge chunks. It's like if you guys went to camp for eight weeks and then – played football on PlayStation for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind of season. Yeah. I love that. So we do all the work up front. You write the songs and you do all that. And that is horrible. And it's a heavy lifting thing. And then you learn all the songs. But learning songs, it's like a bike. You, It's, it's, um, it's hard to forget them. You have muscle memory. And so I can pick up a bass right now. And without thinking, if I think about it too much, I will mess up. But if i just don't think about it i'll just play it all and it comes out um so all of our work is kind of done beforehand um and then it's just kind of like trying to stay passionate about it and you know keep it real and not just go through the motions but uh i really don't play that much i play guitar all the time i'm a bass player i don't i haven't played bass in forever it's going to hurt and it's going to suck when I have to start playing again. And i have got to relearn these songs that I haven't played in a, a year and a half. I don't okay. remember them. I don't even remember the names of them.
0: <laughs> now, okay, so, you know, like we've been close friends now for a long time and I, I've never heard you as fired up and as into the, the work you guys have been doing than – what you've done for this album and I, I think it's because you were more involved in a lot of things and a lot of the writing and how nervous are you for the reviews because that that's it, it's still a big thing in music uh from what I've been told by you mm-hmm. so I I just because when when you're playing football right a lot of people for the for the majority for the majority of people, like they can see, they can watch a guy and be like, okay, yeah, that guy's playing well. But for music, like everyone has their own taste and they they have what they like. And and so it's like when you get reviews done, it's like, okay, well, even though these people love it, some people may hate it. Like how, how nervous are you for the reviews of the album and all that stuff? uh i'm
2: always nervous and i only read the negative stuff it's um weird um and i feel like i can learn from that and and sometimes you can't sometimes they're just i hate this word but sometimes they're just haters and they just might not like anything about us you know they they just might not like us they might not like the way that one of us looks in the band until you're always like i don't like that band because there's just one guy that i don't really like the way he looks So there's a lot of like unfair criticism
1: and a negative review might get more clicks and people, you know, always write for clicks. Absolutely.
2: hundred percent. So I do get nervous about the reviews and I want people to love it. Um, and like you said, you know, like this was more collaborative overall, Caleb really let us in on this one and bounced everything off of us. And we kind of, You know, helped out more than we ever have before. Um, And and you love it. It's it's very uncool to like your own music. You're not supposed to say it. You're not supposed to like your own art. It's not like the cool thing. But it's impossible not to because I know what I like and I do what I like. It's like making food for yourself. If you know you don't like cilantro and you like a lot of salt, you make your own food. You're going to like that more than somebody else who made you food and it has a bunch of cilantro and salt so you it's hard not to like what you do and you're not supposed to and i'm not supposed to say it but i I just did and i like the album
1: (laughs) i see the headline now now. (laughs) so take us through the process a little bit so whenever you guys are are trying to pound out songs and you're writing music I mean, are you just like uh in the shower and a baseline comes to you and you get your phone and you kind of like hum it into your voice memos and then send it to someone and then they record it and see how is that kind of how it works? Or you're
0: drunk on a plane (laughs) back from the fiftieth birthday party of a crown prince.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean that too. That was an
0: awfully (laughs) specific example I just threw out there. Yeah.
2: No, I've done the voice memo shower thing for sure. Um, but mainly it's just playing and almost like zoning out a little bit and you stumble upon something and you're like, that's cool. I, I rarely write something in my head and then play it. I, I'm almost always playing it and then it, it something just comes out of it. And I will do the voice memo thing and I send it to the guys in the band and like, we, we we basically all compile about four or five ideas to ourselves. Caleb probably more, um, and then we all come in and we all play our ideas and just jam. And if something catches, it catches. And if it doesn't, you just throw it away. Um, and that can suck. But this album was pretty well like split up. You know, there's a few of Caleb's, few of Matt's, few of mine. You know, Nate was there.
0: is it true
1: uh, that the hits like just happen instantly like almost right themselves that it just comes out and you hardly spend any time on those
2: not for us um it's happened our producer is good at that he'll be like no that's good you guys can and we're like no 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 like that one kind of sucks like let's at least work on that he's like no it's fine um and i remember when the record label came down for only about the night and you somebody came on and the dude who was the head of the label turned, he stood up and turned around and like clapped for us and he's never done that and we were all just like, because you somebody was maybe a B-side we thought it was kind of cheesy and we we were teetering on maybe not making it. We had played him the whole album and he clapped for that one and we were like, shit. And then Caleb really got self-conscious about it and he was like, I, like, I think these guys think this is a hit it's not the coolest song they're going to push it a ton people are going to think we're not cool and so there is a sense of it just being immediate but it's not immediate for us sometimes it's just immediate for the people who you pay to know what is supposed to be immediate
0: i guess now as as far as your music goes you guys have those diehards right that are like they're they're going to like anything you put out Then you've got the people that are like, I want stuff like the first three albums, and it's it's just hilarious to me because that was so long ago, and I I don't know how they don't expect music to change as you guys age and like you go through life. It it doesn't. That has never made sense to me, but when when I hear and I've you know heard a lot of the album, and when I hear these singles, like. It seems like there is definitely a different sound to this album and uh, are you worried about how that is going to be received are you excited like was that the goal to try to change up the sound or is it something that just kind of happened
2: no I mean it was definitely a goal to grow and just try to just go a little bit different of a direction I mean I don't expect people to like us through everything um and there are so many bands that i like their first few albums and then i didn't really like anything after that a lot of bands i like their only their first album and then it gets bad after that um but there are also bands that i like their seventh album and i don't really like their early stuff um i mean i like the beatles later stuff than i do their early stuff i'm not a big early beatles guy i love what they became But the kind of super, super smiley, happy, poppy stuff at the very beginning is not as cool to me. I don't think it's bad at all. Um, It's just not as exciting as, you know, what they got to. And I think it's just so boring if a band would do eight albums that all sounded alike. I mean, I can't even imagine what you would get out of that. Why not try and fail, you know, to change and be innovative with yourself? than just do the same thing over and over. That, to me, is selling out. Doing the same thing over and over because you think you can make money. That's like a, a, a chain restaurant.
1: So, it sounds like you're a Beatles fan, and I was thinking of this earlier when Gabe said that they were supposed to go to London to see one of your shows. Now, I may have this wrong, but was it weird that you guys kind of blew up in England before you did over here? Was that... Maybe as a Beatles fan, was that something that was awesome or how, did, how was that whole thing mentally?
2: It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, because I was super young. I was like 16 and we're going over there and we we played a few shows in America and uh, Atlanta. And there were like maybe 40 people there because we were opening up and then we played our own show in Birmingham the next night, Alabama. And there were like I swear to God seven people, including the bar staff, <laughs> playing for ourselves, and we're just like I I mean I guess we'll just rehearse. Um, and then we went over to England, and the first show, it, it was probably three hundred people, but the room fit like a hundred, and it was packed and hot and sticky, and people were falling onto the stage, and I, I was pooping my pants. It was crazy i was very nervous but it was the coolest thing in the world and it was super weird for us because over here you're kind of isolated in america i mean you really don't know that much about what's going on in the rest of the world entertainment wise and then later on you find out about all of the other people who did the same thing including weird ones like the backstreet boys and all the way to like Jimi hendrix and all these people they were all big in england first And then came over um, and American record labels use that as a template big time. If you get big in England, they're like, there's a shot here and they bring them over. Um, But it was, it blew our minds hearing ourselves on the radio. It was crazy.
0: Yeah. uh, Teddy, I've, I've been to shows of theirs in the United States and then I also, uh, I went to a couple of shows when they played in Dublin. I met Jared, out there uh we we were going on a europe trip, and I was like hey let's let's uh let's make make a trip out of this thing and i'll I'll catch a couple of shows and it was the difference was nuts i i I hadn't really understood it because i like he had told me like, hey, we're a little bit of a bigger deal in you know in the u k and in Europe and I was like, okay, I mean uh, but holy shit, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I get it it was it was wild, dude." yeah it's different it's definitely different okay now we've kept you a long time i'm sorry if you're wondering the titans are now down 1710 but they're driving now what's the best way for people to support the album because you come out with these singles which normally now in today's music like they just drop the whole album and it's on spotify and you know apple music and all that stuff but of course you guys are doing it a little different. You've got the two singles out. Now the album coming out in March, like how do people support it? Is it download it on the streaming services? Is it buy the vinyl? Like what's the best way to support the new album? Um, I don't, I
2: don't even know nowadays. I don't keep up much. I know that, you know, you basically as a musician now make money from concerts <laughs> and the rest of it, you well get, like, pennies from this and that, um, but I would just—I ass- I just want people to listen to it, honestly. But for other artists, if you're—I think anything that you spend money on is better. Like I—I I downloaded the two songs on iTunes for a dollar twenty-nine or whatever it is, and I assume that that's got to make more money than streaming it on Spotify. But for our albums, as long as you're listening to it and liking it, I really don't even care. I just want you to have it and like it but it is on all the streaming services and you can buy it and there are physical copies that are really cool that our art department it works with us and makes some really really cool stuff that's worth having if you're if you're into the band um and like cool vinyl stuff and we've got a cassette coming out that's super cool um but as long as you're listening i'm happy
1: final question for me like for uh football players I always wanted to play running back or quarterback. All defensive guys want to play offense. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure maybe it's the same musician-wise. I heard you say you're a guitarist, too, and maybe that's what you play more than the bass. If you could fill in one night, like someone went down in a big concert and they needed a guitarist to step in, what band would you want to play with?
2: Oof. I thought you were going to say what instrument, and I was going to make a joke and say running back. But uh, <laughs> what band? Um, oof. Uh, I mean, honestly, probably just because I'm lazy, and I know all their songs because I learned them when I was first starting, and they were the coolest band in the world. And they still are. Um, but probably The Strokes. It's fun. I know the songs. They're cool. But, I mean, to rip on some old, like, I don't know I, any any band that that I could say I mean like no couldn't play that they're too good <laughs> no can't play I mean I can't play in Led Zeppelin I'm not I mean John Paul Jones is just I I need to be in my wheelhouse so there's like three bands that I could choose from
0: <laughs> nice
2: yeah.
0: Jared appreciate the time buddy uh this was fun I feel like that I feel like the music part wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be
2: no, it was great. I felt like you guys kind of got to step outside of your little zone, and you guys did great. That was fun.
0: You don't mean that, but I'll pretend. <laughs> no.
2: Because you guys ask weird, que- not weird questions, but questions. A music journalist has their questions. They're just going to ask you, and it's the same thing. You guys are asking like interesting questions that I don't get thrown at You know, all the time.
0: Murdoch is going to be so enraged when he <laughs> listens to this interview. He's going to be like, they didn't ask anything good about the music. I'm <laughs> like, dude, I don't know anything about the music. I'm sorry. What kind of tape did you use? <laughs> all right, Jay. <James, laughs> appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much. This was fun. Yep.
1: I, I mean that wasn't that bad, right? Very GQ-ish uh, by us, Playboy magazine type interview by us. That was pretty good, man.
0: I I feel I feel like we stayed true to ourselves. We weren't going to be like, well, the the tone and the mood and this and this. Like now, like, hey, so what do you do like during a day?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, could you still play the guitar every day? Or yeah, is no, that was fun, though. and uh, different. Who knows?
0: It was it was fun different, though.
1: Who knows who the next rock star is going to be on the show? You never know. It could be a thing from now on.
0: You never know. I, I'm sure they'll reach out to us. Once they hear that interview, once that interview goes viral, right, because of our, you know, penetrating questions, I, I'm sure that we'll have all kinds of people reaching out to us. Then. Okay. Episode 76 in the books. One more thing uh, before we kind of wrap up. Make sure you go eat at your favorite local restaurants as often as you can because you know, a lot of us saw this week that Ant's Chicken ha- Chicken Fry House uh, there in Bethany. It looks like it's going to close now. I know there's some people trying to keep it open, but these local restaurants here in Oklahoma, uh, they need our support more than ever, right? So if you're able to do it, go go there. even if they're safe, they're doing fine. Uh, don't listen to them just keep ordering food from there take out pick it up pick pickup whatever keep eating at your favorite local restaurants uh, they need it they need it okay we'll have a new podcast that'll drop thursday morning just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me from three to five on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great week Till next time we appreciate you all for listening Do what you always do, Obama. Take care of each other.